This is a talk entitled The Call to Know God's Word in Today's World and is written by Mr. Michael Willey. The introductory reading is 2 Timothy and chapter 4. Introduction. It was about the year AD 65 or so and things were looking pretty grim for that old man, the Apostle Paul. Gone were the limited comforts of the hired house Paul had experienced as he awaited trial. Now transferred, he was in a cold, damp Roman cell with all its deprivations. He was awaiting to be called before the bar to be judged by the mad Emperor Nero a second time. We can read about that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Nero was totally unsympathetic to the Christian movement, which was gaining a foothold in the Eternal City, the queen of the then-known world. In the hands of this vicious, blood-stained Caesar lay the issue of life and death. He had kicked his wife, Poppaea, to death and had married his slave. His wicked excesses were well known in the arena where tens of thousands of men and beasts were slaughtered at the slight of his hand. He was a self-professed, deified god and was worshipped by his uncertain favourites and the masses. Paul at the time desperately wanted his cloak, which had accompanied him on his journeys, where the breath of former freedoms and preaching experiences lay within its folds. So too he wanted his parchments, maybe the proof of his Roman citizenship, or perhaps fragments of the gospel writing of the disciple, who knows. The apostle knew that the community of believers, the ecclesias, were having a tough time. He had a foreboding that although he had done his part in preaching the gospel, he could see that there lay ahead uncertain days for the fledgling brotherhood. The world, with its serpent craft and persuasiveness, would, with its throttle hold, asphyxiate the gospel message and extinguish the purity of the truth as it was in Jesus. There was a desperate need to counteract this stifling effect by redoubling the effort of preaching the word of God. Timothy he had known from his early missionary days, and Paul could trust him. Paul knew that the gospel message was in safe hands, and he asked Timothy to come to him before the onset of winter with the things he had asked for, before the cold winter would bite into his aching bones. Timothy, the apostle Paul knew, would continue to preach the gospel message faithfully, for such had been Paul's commission, and this commission he passed on to Timothy. The Purpose of God We are told in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 45 verse 18 that the reason why Almighty God created and formed the earth was that it should be inhabited. It was not at a whim that the Almighty God did this. He did it with knowledge, intention, purpose. We are told in various parts of the Bible what this purpose is. It is ongoing and unstoppable. In the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 21, we are told the Lord God said, As truly as I live, all the earth shall be full of my glory. This is his purpose. The Psalms repeat his intentions. All thy works shall praise thee taken from Psalm 145, verses 10 to 13, 
and let the whole earth be full of thy glory. Psalm 72 verse 19. Again, in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 9, God says, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In fact, throughout the prophets, the purpose of God, we are told, is that all the world and its inhabitants will eventually reflect and be part of his goodness. The whole world is destined to ring out in praise to him, and you and I can be part of it. But he makes a careful selection, choosing some, excluding others, as we read in Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2. Thus we see that Almighty God's purpose is that everything that he has made, including some men and women, will, with free will, eventually give glory and praise to Almighty God. Those who come to know him and acknowledge him as their creator, who obey his laws and instructions to the letter. This is the ultimate destiny of this present world and its systems. Certain Characteristics of Almighty God God's servant Moses desperately wanted to know God. He wanted to see the Almighty when he was leading God's people from slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land. You know me, but I don't know you, Moses exclaimed when he talked with God in Exodus chapter 33 verses 13 and 23. God replied that although Moses would not be able to see him face to face, yet his characteristics would be told Moses and shown forth, and Moses would be able to witness the glory of God. In chapter 34 of Exodus, a remarkable chapter, because we are told about the mind and personality of the God of heaven whom we worship. His essential qualities and attributes are set out and underlined. God is a caring, loving God, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, with an abundance of forgiveness, goodness and truth. Within these attributes, there is also his determination that all the earth will be peopled by those who would reflect these qualities. He hates the situation man has placed himself in, a slow, forlorn procession of man from the cradle to the grave, and he did something about it by providing the Lord Jesus Christ. God's character and personality is seen and is made known to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Characteristics of Man You and I know perfectly well what a man or woman is like because we share in this humanity. A critical self-examination can be a humiliating experience if we are totally honest with ourselves. It is a matter of facing up to the reality of our situation. In our makeup, there is essentially a deep-seated selfish element that looks primarily after number one, the promotion of self, me. There is always a subtle attempt to deny the fact, to cover it up, particularly when we're in the company of others. Even through life's experiences, we might change as we get older. Yet selfishness is a feature which, although perhaps less dominant, is always there and at times 
comes to the fore. The Bible pulls no punches in telling us what man is like. We just have to look at Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 and Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. We were born into this world. We didn't ask to be born. We live and die. This is our portion under the sun. The instincts we possess are that of self-preservation firstly and also perhaps looking after those of our family and the ones we love. In our free will, we nearly always please ourselves, and the laws of God are either unknown or at times ignored when it suits us. The Bible tells us that men and women are estranged from God through sin. Man worships the gods which he likes, which are often his own lusts and desires. His imagination runs rife to the exclusion of the one true God, the creator of heavens and the earth. Man essentially, for the most part, is a creature which is corrupt, violent, depraved and ignorant of his creator. Man aspires to greatness, wisdom and power, which are all of his own making to the exclusion of God. And even if he knows God, he will always seek to compromise God's holiness and bring him down to his own level. The Outworking of God But there have always been some men and women, a very small number, who although are born with these inclinations of rebellion are different because their hearts have been touched by the word of God, those to whom Almighty God has revealed his truth. Although they are the same mould as a natural man, yet in free will, wish for something better. They aspire to serve God and read his word with the limited capacity they have. With faith and trust, they seek to gain the promises which God holds out for them, that is, eternal life. You and I can be part of God's glory and holiness, being free from the impurities of this natural self which we are born with, to be reborn through the washing of the word of God, to be made a new creation, and to share in God's character, holiness and purpose. But it is entirely our decision whether to either respond or reject God's offer of salvation. The call to know God in this present world. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet is commissioned by the Lord God to preach the message of salvation to his people, Israel. Isaiah asked how long was he to undertake this task? And the reply was, until there was no man left to talk to, when all the cities would become desolate. He was told that the more he preached, the more the listeners would harden their hearts, close their eyes and be deaf to what was being said to them. Nevertheless, Isaiah was required to do this, for the Lord God loved his people and wanted them to respond to his overture of mercy, so that his ongoing purpose with the world would be fulfilled. We can read about this in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 to 12. Unfortunately, when at last God sent his son as a final appeal to God's people, they crucified him. 
These are very important verses because this commission is repeated in all the gospel records. They are the words repeated by the Lord Jesus Christ. They are also rehearsed through the words of the Apostle Paul in Acts and in his letter to the Romans. God's appeal now extends to all men and women. It is incumbent on us in these days to preach the same message of hope, the good news concerning the kingdom of God. Almighty God does not change, and his will is that all men and women should live and recognise him and serve him, so they can become part of his purpose and fulfilling his desire that all the earth will be full of his glory. We can read about that in Mark 16 verse 15. It is this message that comes to you and to me today, dear listener, to serve the Lord God of heaven and to wait for the coming of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to fulfill the determinate will of God, that all the earth will be full of the knowledge of him to eternity. In serving the Lord God, we have to know what he requires, and this is found in his word, the Bible. In this present world, it may seem futile to preach when, for the most part, people do not wish to listen or respond. But it's been that case all throughout history. Yet God's mercy and loving kindness is great. And this good news of hope is a message from God we gladly share with you now.